Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapinoe, and many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to The Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. This week's episode is brought to you, brought to you by Bet Online. I took off the past two weeks because of the birth of my first son, my first child, actually. So I became a dad. It's pretty damn exciting. The past two weeks have been, you know, uh, I've learned so much about babies. I don't have any babies in my family, so this is a first for me. Uh, everything's new, and, and I'm sure dads out there can appreciate uh, what I'm going through emotionally and and just in terms of the lifestyle change um, that has just begun for me. But I'm still trying to keep my ears on the NBA door, you know, listening to what's going on, of course, in the bubble, um, but also in the scouting world. I mean, it's really such a weird time for somebody who covers the draft because there's literally nothing going on. I mean, players are asking me, what's, what's next? What's happening? And I don't have any answers, really. Um, they want an NBA combine. Teams want an NBA combine in some form, uh, mainly for medical reports and measurements. doesn't sound like they're going to do anything where players scrimmage. And uh, it's, it's hard to imagine it's going to be any type of combine that resembles any of the ones in the past. Um, but ideally, teams can get a way to get medical reports and measurements. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to be done. I don't know where it's going to be. Um, and until then, we're kind of just sitting around waiting. And I know the NBA is so focused on this bubble and making it work. And the draft is secondary, really. Um, but that's where we stand. And so anyway, what I've been doing, of course, like everybody else, watching a lot of video. But there's only so much video you can watch. I mean, there's only so many times you could watch the same players play the same games. And some of the scouts I've talked to have legit taken, you know, a couple-week break so they don't, like, start forcing opinions and, and forcing new viewpoints this late. Um, because that'll happen after you watch over and over again. You kind of get bored, and, and naturally your mind starts to play tricks on you and starts to you know, force these new thoughts that you didn't originally have that, that aren't your gut reactions. Um, and so anyway, I've been talking to scouts and, and just kind of get a feel for what they're thinking at this point in terms of players. And, you know, scouts are always talking with scouts. Um, and so um, I figured I'd use this episode, A, to let you know what I've been hearing, some some of the opinions out there from, from the NBA guys uh, and how some of them, you know, differ from what you see on NBA Draft Twitter. And then I'll quickly go through my top 50 list, which, you know, isn't so different from the ones you've heard me talk about in the past. But there's some, you know, I've, I've made some noteworthy changes, you know, moving guys up a couple spots and, and maybe having more faith in, in, in players that I kind of questioned earlier on. 
But let's start with what I've been hearing from scouts. And, you know, we'll start with LaMelo. LaMelo is, you know, a lot of guys still have him, number one. A lot of guys, or almost everyone has him atop their board, you know, in that first tier. Um, and then there are some who really are just like, I don't know, I just don't see it. Some of the guys question his shot, his mentality on the floor. Um, and I still think it's like impossible for him to fall in this draft. But depending on how the order shakes out, you know, I don't think he's a, a lock to go first. Um, even though he's number one on my board, I don't think he's a lock to go first. I don't think he's a lock to go second. I personally have a hard time seeing him fall outside the top three just based on who's projected to go in the lottery or what teams are projected to pick in the lottery, I should say. How many of them could use a guy like LaMelo? I think, you know, the for LaMelo to fall to like five or six, um, you know, like I, the Knicks obviously are going to do anything for LaMelo and they're projected to pick six. Um, and for him to fall to them, I think they'd have to really, really get lucky in terms of how the order plays out. You know, like the Cavs, I'm hearing the Cavs, you know, aren't that interested in, in drafting a guard. Um, and so they'd have to really get lucky for him to fall. I, I expect him to go top three. He's not a lock to go number one. S- still, the majority of people I talk to have him, you know, one or two. There are definitely some out there who don't see him that high. I talked to a scout about Anthony Edwards because I've been, you know, Anthony Edwards started number one on my preseason board, and he slowly just slipped. He's outside my top three. I have him at number four overall. And I talked to a scout who said he's got to have the lowest basketball IQ of any potential top pick he's ever scouted. And uh, to me, that's ex- that's exactly my issue with him. It's not talent. He's got the talent of a number one overall potential player in this draft. But I don't think he's wired like a, a leading scorer for your team, or somebody you can you want to give the ball to. Um, for the majority of, of the game and, and run your offense through him. I just don't think he's wired to efficiently score within the offense. And, and, and I don't think his style is suited for winning basketball if he is your top gun. Um, and, and I question how well he's going to play as a number two option. He's so used to being the, the, the number one. When he wasn't you know, the featured guy, he kind of stands around, doesn't really know how to get himself going, you know, spotting up off the ball. It's just not really his game. So anyway, I've, I was glad to, not glad to hear because I'm not rooting against him. He's a great kid. He's, he's a lot of fun. Um, but glad in terms of like, I'm not the only one who, who doesn't see it with him. Um, but still number four overall, of course, you know, I'm not that low on him. I think he's guaranteed, you know, 18, 20 points score in a league eventually. And maybe I'm almost undervaluing that production. Um, but it's just that efficiency, and, and is he the type of guy that can play winning basketball? Of course, I still think Edwards could go number one, like the right team. Like, you know, the Atlanta Hawks seem like such a good team for him, um, A, for their needs, and B, for his development. I think he needs to figure out how to play alongside a ball-dominant player and not be the guy who's featured, who can, you know, get those bad habits of standing around, dribbling for 10 seconds, and then firing a pull-up. Like, he won't be able to do that in Atlanta with Trey Young dominating the ball but yeah there's definitely some scouts out there who are who are not on the Anthony Edwards number one overall pick bandwagon or even as somebody that they would target in the draft you know as a top three pick or whatever NBA draft Twitter is definitely higher on Killian Hayes uh, than than real NBA guys are now I have Killian Hayes top three and it's like not very confident top three like I wouldn't you know bet the house on Hayes eventually being a top three player from this class, but I just don't see any other guys who have a better case than him. Um, and, and there are NBA guys out there who, you know, they see, um, 
a nice backup point guard. I mean, that, that's why I've, I've heard nice backup point guard, um, you know, uh, a, a low-end starter maybe. Um, but if you're going to get a low-end starter, you don't really want to use a top-three pick on him. I just, you know, with Hayes, 6'5", skills get better every year, super efficient um, inside the arc as a finisher, improved tremendously with his shot creation and shot making, 90%, I mean, eight, let's say I exaggerated there, 85 to 90% from the free throw line, back-to-back seasons, he's got great touch, um, and uh, I'm just banking on him to continue improving around the perimeter. Um but again, there are NBA guys who don't see it. They question his athletic ability. I'm not so. I don't put so much stock into athleticism when it comes to point guards. We've seen too many really, really good NBA point guards who aren't that explosive. You know, at, at, for the point guard position, I'm putting more stock into skill level and basketball IQ over explosiveness. In terms of players um, who I think are going to surprise a lot of people and go higher than most mock draft boards, including mine, have out there, is Minnesota's Daniel Oturo. Oturo was, you know, I personally, I question his athletic ability in terms of he's kind of stiff. I don't know if he's going to be able to create much separation. He's a post-up heavy guy. He uses his strength a lot in college. I'm not buying his shooting, even though it improved this year. He's like had like 87 turnovers to 30 assists. He's not a a very efficient decision maker. Um, And I just don't see his style of game despite averaging 20-10. And, you know, two and a half blocks and shooting over 55% from the floor. Uh, I just don't see it translating against NBA players. Um, But there are NBA scouts out there who have him, like, top 20. Um, And so he's a guy who I I would not be shocked if I end up being surprised, if that makes any sense. You know, um, uh, I could see Oturo, based on what I'm hearing, being a top 20 guy in this draft um, and being the first guy during the draft where everybody kind of collectively says, wow, what a, you know, what a reach. Um, but anyway, that's just what I've been hearing. NBA teams seem more are higher on Daniel Oturo than, than the media or, or draft Twitter. Another guy I think is going to go higher than I'd say, well, not media projections, but higher than some of the freshmen is, is Tyrese Halliburton. It seems like everybody loves Halliburton. Whether they think he's a star or not, I think a team is going to put value in his floor, his character, his fit with his passing IQ, spot-up shooting, and defensive IQ. Uh, I, I think those three strengths right there you can bank on translating and, and, and fitting really into any lineup, whether it's at the point, whether it's at the two. Um, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if he goes top five in this draft to a good team, you know, like Golden State, if they end up falling in the draft. Like, he's such a such an enticing, appealing uh, fit for them as a guy who could help right away um, and just kind of fit into what they already have. I could see the Hawks putting a lot of stock into his secondary playmaking next to Trey Young, his ability to play off Trey Young with the spot of shooting and give you that uh, a smart defender next to Trey. I could see the Knicks really liking Halliburton and going away from you know, the scoring guards um, and, and going with a, just a quality decision maker which they never seem to have at the point guard position. So I, I, don't know, I think somebody is going to really reach on Halliburton. I, I have him ranked 13 on my board, and we'll get into it in a little bit. You know, I, I, I think he really needs the right fit to be optimized. Um, and that's why I think we should do big boards after the draft uh, because guys could change in terms of rankings depending on where they go. But anyway, Halliburton's a guy I expect to go higher than some of the you know, higher upside freshmen 
like Cole Anthony, who, um, yeah, I think scouts are actually jumping off Cole Anthony's bandwagon. I mean, I know I talked to one guy who just really did not like his game, um, talked about how he didn't like it from high school, and then all the bad habits he saw from high school carry over to North Carolina. I've given Cole a little bit of a pass. And there was not a great decision maker. His assist to turnover ratio stunk. And he definitely developed some bad tunnel vision when he gets into the paint. Um, of course, you know, didn't have good shooters around him. Didn't have much talent around him. Had a huge workload, 30% usage. Uh, I like his game as a scorer. You know, maybe play him at the two guard. I, I talked about this um, with Chris Kirshner from The Athletic. He just wrote an article about Hawks fits. And I don't hate the idea of pairing Cole Anthony with a guy like Trey Young and just having Cole focus on scoring, let him pass second for a team that already has a really, really good passer. I mean, if there's one thing I'm banking on with Cole, it's his pull-up game, it's his shooting, um, it's his ability to create his own shot. I don't know if I want the offense running through him, but in the right lineup, a guy who could just get you 20 points, catch fire, I mean, I, I think that's where Cole's you know, best future lies, best role lies. Um, but at the same time, from what I'm hearing from NBA guys, they they don't they're not so high on him and I wouldn't be shocked if Cole Anthony slips um, into the late lottery well definitely into the late lottery but like late lottery I'm talking like 10 to 15 range um, which to me is makes him one of the better value picks of this draft but um, I think not only are teams turned off by his his game and his inefficiency but he's you know he's a bit of a talker he's got a little bit of cockiness to him. And I don't think he's for everybody. Uh, and so he's somebody I probably have higher on my big board than than I would have um, on my mock draft, where I think he is uh, in jeopardy of slipping a little bit. Danny Abdia from Israel. He's the only one who's really been playing lately. And not only has he been playing, but he's improving his stock. And he's playing in the Israeli league. It's not great competition. But he's still putting up, like, really, really impressive numbers. And the eye test backs up the numbers. I mean... He's averaging 18 points in six games since coming back. He's shooting over 45% from three. And he just looks, A, he looks like unbelievably good physically. He looks super strong for a 19-year-old. He's 6'8", um, and he's got this really powerful upper body to go along with some off-the-dribble ability uh, to really form an impressive combination um, for attacking and playing through contact which he continues to do at 19 years old in a professional league. I know, again, it's not EuroLeague, but we're still talking about pros in their 20s and 30s. Um, and he's looked like one of the best players on the floor every single time. And uh, not only does he look great physically, but he's shooting really well. It looks like he's changed his mechanics a little bit. His his release is much quicker, more concise, um, and it's falling. And, yeah, the free throw numbers have never been really good, and they're still. I think he's still below... I think he's around 68% in the six games he's come back. But I think with him, it's just more mental at the free throw line. Like He looks he looks fine shooting threes. Uh, competitive kid. He's just somebody I'm going to bet on. And so the guys I talk to around the NBA, they still don't necessarily see a star. I think what I continue to hear is like he's just a really good player. And I think in this draft, you just value a good player. You value somebody who could be a, a starting role player, uh, particularly with the high likelihood that he gets there, like his high floor. Um, and so I think he's going to be a top six pick. I don't see him. I don't see him falling just because I think there's there's not enough to dislike about him. You know, there may not be so much to love, but there's not enough to dislike. He's just a safe pro 
Um, and that's what I continue to hear from scouts. So I wouldn't expect him to, to make it to the late lottery. I think he's top six. I think he could potentially go as high as number two overall to a team that he really fits well with. Like I think he, I think Danny fits so nicely with Atlanta. I think he fits really nicely in Minnesota. Um, and, of course, I love his fit in Golden State. I almost love all these guys fit in Golden State because they don't have to do too much. Um, but, yeah, so Danny, I, I think he's really helping himself using this last stretch of games um, to, to really strengthen his case. Two more guys I want to touch on just based on from what I've heard. Josh Green from Arizona. He's kind of, you know, fallen outside the, 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 the initial big two tiers. I think he started, he started for me as a late lottery pick. And he's kind of fallen into that next group of guys who can go in the mid to late first round. Um, I've heard I've heard uh, 18 to 28 from one scout. On the other hand, I've heard like he's somebody who's being undervalued now. He's somebody who should probably go higher um, than he's projected to go. They love his athleticism. He's a really good kid, really competitive kid. Everything you hear when he interviews, you know, team first. I only care about winning. I don't care about my stat lines. Um, he's probably doing phenomenal in these Zoom interviews. And listen, I know he doesn't have uh, a lot of creativity to his offensive game, but he shot decent from downtown this year on 36%. Um, and he's got a really, really good touch on his floater. You know, when he's got an opening, he capitalizes. He did struggle really badly around the rim, but I don't think NBA teams are going to put too much stock in his percentages finishing at the rim. I think they're going to just buy his athleticism, his youth, his potential to be, again, an, an excellent defender. I mean, he's got some of the quickest feet in this draft. He's built to guard threes, twos, ones, um, just a lot of activity, a lot of energy, so much quickness, not just containing around the perimeter, but closing out. Always closes out with great balance. Uh, he just, it's easy to buy him as a very, very good NBA defender. And if he just makes enough open jump shots and, and converts enough floaters you know, and line drives, um, then he's got the chance again to be a, a starting, starting, um, role-playing small forward. I think I, I like him more as a as a three than a two because I don't buy. He's not much of a creator at all. No pick and roll ability, no one-on-one ability. Uh, but I think he's six six. He's fine. Put him at the three. Let him focus on guarding wings, slashing, attacking, and making open spot-up jumpers. Um, and so I, I, you know, he can go anywhere. I think late lottery to to late first round. Um, but I've definitely heard both sides of it for Josh Green. And lastly, Sadiq Bey. I've heard both sides for Sadiq Bey. Um, I've talked to one executive who loves his game, thinks his game's going to translate his size, his shooting, um, his ability to play through contact. He's really strong. Um, they love that the, being a Villanova product works for him for, you know, in terms of NBA circles, well-coached. And then I heard the opposing view that Villanova's offense is so good that it made Sadiq Bey look good. And if he's not hitting threes, quote from the scout, you know, he's got no margin for error. Like, what is he going to do to help your team if his three ball isn't falling? He's not explosive inside the arc. He's not great defender around the perimeter. Um, and and so basically he sees him as a spot-up shooting specialist. Um, and if it's not falling, then he really doesn't help your team at all. Uh, he's... I think that scout who said that is in the minority here, and I wouldn't be shocked if Sadiq Bey went late lottery. Um, but it's interesting to hear both sides. I'm kind of in the middle. I don't have him late lottery. I have him, I think, 21 or 22 on my board. Actually, I'll, I'll take a look at it in a second. Um, I buy Sadiq Bey's jumper. I don't buy his creation ability um, or defensive upside, even though, you know, on paper he has really good defensive tools, 6'8", 215". 
but I don't think he's I think he's best suited as a small ball four and and pretty much like a stretch four who, who just makes spot up jumpers. And yeah, I do agree that Villanova's offense is so good that it really made the game so easy for him. Before we go on to my big board, a shout out to Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, let's start at number one, LaMelo Ball. Been that way since early November. I think he's a better shooter than the numbers suggest. He's, a, he's at least a shot maker. Obviously, I buy the passing. I think he's going to be one of the best passers in the league. And yeah, he might not shoot 40% from downtown, but he can make shots and he can heat up, and he's going to be a good enough shooter to complement his elite playmaking. At number two, I have Killian Hayes. Efficient, well-rounded, probably the most well-rounded player in this entire draft in terms of passing, two-point scoring, defensive awareness, activity, um, shot creation, and eventually I think shot making will be good enough. At number three, I have Onyeka Okangu who I've loved all year, and I just I just feel more confident about him than the guys who are about to follow. I love Okongwa's finishing, his defensive activity, his skills, his improving skills with the ball in his hands, creating a shot from the post. 70% free throw shooter, I think eventually he's going to be a good enough mid-range shooter who could face you up and rise and fire. Um, I just think he's one of the safest picks in the draft, even in a league that's moving away from centers. Number four, Anthony Edwards. Talked about him all year, constantly. Talked about him earlier in the podcast. I'm banking on the production. I'm not banking on it translating to winning basketball. But in this particular draft, that production is enough to keep him top five. At number five, Denny Adia. Again, safest, one of the safest picks in the draft. Slashing, shot making, passing, defensive IQ. May not be elite in any one area but super well-rounded, already a productive pro overseas. Number six, Obi Toppin. Another guy I could just bank on to probably give you 18 and 8 on an an efficient shooting percentage. You know, the question again with Obi is how much of his defensive limitations going to neutralize or offset his offensive production. But again, in this draft, just like with Anthony Edwards, I'm putting stock in the high likelihood that he's going to be a very productive player. At number seven is where I made probably the biggest move since my previous big board. It's Tyrese Maxey. I know guys who don't like Tyrese Maxey. I know the people who have him as a late first round. I have a number seven, and the numbers don't back up a number seven overall ranking. He didn't shoot well. He didn't put up good playmaking numbers. Um, but I'm just basically using my eye test and saying he could do a little bit of everything. I think he's a better shooter than the numbers suggest. I think he had to share the ball with Quickly and Hagens. He still put up 14 points a game, and that was without shooting well at all from downtown. I think when his three-point numbers go up, which I just, I'm just banking on it happening based on his free-throw numbers, his pull-up game, um, I think he's going to be a solid score, maybe not as good as Lou Williams, but that type of player. 
Number eight, Isaac Okoro, another guy who's just a safe pick anywhere on the board for any team. I wouldn't argue if you had him at number two. I wouldn't argue if you had him as low as number 10, banking on his defensive uh, strength and IQ, uh, banking on his efficiency inside the arc as a finisher, as an opportunistic scorer who could score without needing touches. And I think it's worth betting on him eventually being a good enough spot-up shooter. Number nine, Devin Vassell, best 3 and D prospect in the draft. I'm not so sure how much I want to bet on him becoming a shot creator or a, or a scorer, but in terms of spot-up shooting and defensive awareness and activity, um, with his athleticism, I think he's going to be a, a solid 3 and D, uh, you know, like a, a, the guy that we kind of thought Mikael Bridges would be by now. Um, I, I think that's kind of what you're hoping for with Vassell. Number 10, Cole Anthony. Again, I expect him to put up scoring numbers. Uh, I don't know how well he's going to be running an offense, but I do have enough faith that he's going to be able to give you 15 to 18 points a game, you know, re relatively soon in his career. Uh, James Wiseman at number 11. Talked about him all year. I'm banking on his finishing and shot blocking numbers. I'm not banking on his ability to be someone you feature in the post or someone you can count on to make decisions or jump shots. Um, but for finishing um, and, and shot blocking, sure, he's a starting center. Uh, Patrick Williams, number 12. I love his versatility. I love the fact he's the youngest NCAA prospect in the draft. You know, the fact that he wasn't very productive, nine points a game, makes it tough to put him top 10 for me, which I did have him at one point. It was number nine. But uh, he plays through contact. He's a very good pull-up shooter. He can make open threes. He can run pick and rolls. You know, he does a little bit of everything. It's going to probably take a year or two for him to, you know, offer your team anything. But again, with his age and his skill set in place, his potential trajectory could be very exciting. Number 13, Halliburton. Number 14, Leandro Balmaro from uh, Barcelona, who, who made a, a comeback, hasn't played since late June. Um, but his last game, three threes, three assists. I think it's that combination of, for a 6'6 wing, his playmaking ability, really special passer and ball handler for his size, with his potential to eventually be a shot maker. Really interesting combination. I really like Balmaro. Um, RJ Hampton at number 15. Grant Riller at number 16. Very sneaky pick. I know I understand why some teams might have him as a second rounder. I talked to scouts who have him as a second rounder. But he's just too good for me. I don't care that he's 23. We've seen enough 23-year-olds enter the league from Brogdon to Devontae Graham. Um, who can get better later on. And Riller is just so good at creating his own shot. And if he could you know, improve his three-point numbers a little bit, I think he is a, 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 an NBA scorer. 17, Pokusevsky um, from Olympiakos, who is just too unique. You know, he's, I don't know if he's hit or miss, because I've actually said before, I think his floor is higher than you'd think for a guy that skinny. He's seven foot, rail thin. Um, and try some crazy stuff, but he could do some crazy stuff. I mean, a seven-footer with a really believable three-point shot, uh, and not just the ability to spot up, but he could shoot off screens. He could pull up off the dribble. Very, very high-level passer, uh, and he blocks shots. It's just too interesting of a, of a prospect, and also the youngest prospect in this draft, still at 18 years old. Kyra Lewis Jr., um, yeah, I've, I've, I don't see like a quality NBA starter. I think he's an NBA player, and he just turned 19, his his body type, his lack of athleticism, his decision making at times. Yeah, I just question NBA starter upside. Um, 
I talked to a scout the other day who viewed him as Ish Smith, and that was exactly the comparison I had for him. I think he's a guy who's going to last for a long time in the league with his speed, with the ball. Um, but I just don't see the upside with Lewis uh, at, the, at the point guard position, which is just so competitive in the NBA. 19, Josh Green. 20, Skylar Mays. If you ask me who the my steal of the draft is, it's Skylar Mays, LSU. A little bit of everything. A sneaky athlete, 6'5". If he wasn't going to be a basketball player, he's going to be a doctor. Like super, super high IQ guy. Um, improved this year uh, as a three-point shooter, but cr- very crafty. Creates his own shots in different ways. Uh, unbelievable footwork. High IQ guy. I, I just think he's the, the total package. Um, and yeah, he's 22 years old. But uh, to me, he's like another Malcolm Brogdon type. I think he's going to go somewhere in the second round, and he's going to end up being the steal of the draft. I have him at number 20. 21, Tyrell Terry. Highly skilled. Just doesn't have the body um, or the athleticism. 6'1", 160, plays below the rim. But he's too smooth of a shooter. Um, 90% from the free throw line. I don't know if he's a starting caliber player, but his shot making um, and potential, his passing IQ, um, could really outweigh the fact that he is limited physically. Sadiq Bey at 22. Aaron Naismith at 23, shot-making specialist. 24, Desmond Bain, just a tremendous shooter and passing IQ and defensive IQ. Has no real athletic ability, uh, but I think the right fit where he could just play to his strengths, making open side, making outside open shots, moving the ball, um, and playing good team defense. I think he's going to be a nice fit if like a playoff team gets Desmond Bain. 25, Jalen Smith. Too interesting of a three-point shooter and shot blocker. I don't see anything else translating. That's why I have him at 25 and not 15. But if he can make threes at 6'10", rebound to give you shot blocking, I think he is a definite role player, rotation player in the NBA. 26, Precious Achua. 27, well, Xavier Tillman. Although Dick Vitale might have broke some news yesterday saying that Xavier Tillman will be heading back to Michigan State, which is really surprising to me. I don't know if that has to do with him not getting any first-round assurances. Um, that would make sense, considering he's been interviewing with teams. Uh, maybe he wants to come back and be National Player of the Year in college basketball and then be a lottery pick. Tremendous defensive prospect. Defense passing and the potential to make open threes. Great combination for a role player. I have Jared Butler from Baylor at number 28. I think he may have the best handle in the draft, or Maybe not the best, but like right up there with LaMelo. Um, and uh, good pull-up shooter, good spot-up shooter, good passer on the move. I've seen him make some unbelievable finishes through contact um, around the basket. Not very explosive, not much burst, but a very skilled, crafty player. I really like Butler. 29, Malachi Flynn. I think he's a, a backup point guard. I think he's just going to find his way um, into the NBA. It may not happen right away, but he's a backup point guard in my mind in the NBA. Nico Mannion at 30, where he could be a value pick. Another guy who is an NBA player, likely. I just don't know how high his ceiling goes. Another another uh, backup in my mind. Um, and I'll quickly go through this. Cassius Winston, 31. You could easily put Winston at 27 um, on the same par with Mannion and, and Flynn. Tyler Bay, defensive specialist at 32. 33, Teo Maladon. 34, Jemias Ramsey. I know some guys love Ramsey. Some guys just don't see it. Um, I'm closer to the I don't see it, but I do see why you may like his 6'4 size, really strong frame, beautiful looking jump shot and scoring instincts. Trey Jones at 35, Devon Dotson at 36, possible change of pace back up in the league. 
Zeke Naji at 37, Oturo at 38. Again, I said earlier, I think Oturo is going to go much higher than 38. 39, Isaiah Joe is somebody who I've moved up um, just after rewatching, going back through the film. I kind of, his percentages threw me off earlier, but I'm just like, you watch him play more and more, and you're just like, he can shoot. Like, he's 34, 35%, but he made three and a half threes per game, shot 90% from the free throw line. Forget the percentages. He's too good of a shooter. Um, for you to put too much stock into his 35% uh, three-point number this year. 40, Robert Woodard, the second from Mississippi State. 3 and D forward. Didn't make a lot of threes, but he shot him in a good clip, and I really like him as a defensive prospect. 41, Jaden McDaniels. 42, Isaiah Stewart. 43, Aaron Henry. Interesting to see if Aaron Henry goes back to school. I love his particular game. He doesn't have any one elite skill yet, but his potential skill set is valued in the NBA with the 6'6 size, his slashing, his spot-up shooting, really, really high IQ defender who can make plays. 44, Elijah Hughes from Syracuse, ranked number 4th in the country in isolation scoring, um, but also 85th spotting up off the ball. He's a, a shot maker, somebody who can really, uh, I think, maybe find a rotation spot just by knocking down jumpers. 45, Mason Jones from Arkansas. 46, Emmanuel Quickly. I think if Quickly finds the right fit, the way you know Landry Shaman has, he's got a chance to be a shot-making specialist. Uh, Forty-seven, Killy and Tilly. I, I refuse to take Tilly out of my rankings um, until we hear that medically there's something wrong with him. He's forty percent from downtown, all four years at Gonzaga, and I think he brings enough skill, other than a spot of shooting, um, to be more than just a shooting specialist. Forty-eight, Vernon Carey Jr. Who I just, you know, I just it's hard to hard to fall in love with a big who doesn't really protect the rim that well, doesn't defend around the perimeter. Not so sure I'm buying his jump shot. Sure, he's a good post player, but I think like, you know, he's not as good as Ennis Cantor, and and Ennis Cantor has clearly lost some value in the NBA. But you know, the right team who could use a bruiser inside might might make it work with with Vernon Carey. Uh, Forty nine Saban Lee, I happen to like Saban Lee. He's not top 100 on some of the scouts lists I've talked to, but I think he's so explosive attacking the rim that he's has a chance to, to find a way. And number 50, Tyshawn Alexander, who I put into my top 50, who's always been right in the cusp. Um, I've moved some guys out. And uh, Tyshawn Alexander, uh, with his defensive quickness and his versatility offensively. Listen to these numbers uh, from Synergy Sports on Alexander. Graded out in the 84th percentile or better in spot-ups, transition, pick-and-roll, ball handling, isolation, and cutting. He just had a really, really good year. Um, and uh, with all those skills offensively and his defensive quickness, I think he's worth betting on in the second round. That'll do it for my top 50 this week. Um, I guess we'll go next week back into into um, team-themed episodes. We just covered the Pistons the last time. We've covered the Hawks. We've covered the Knicks. We've covered the Wizards. Uh, we'll move on to a new lottery team next week. Um, and... You know, any questions, send me uh, send me a tweet. Uh, NBA Draft Loss. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair, 
Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. 